I've been wanting to actually interview a somebody from a different generation, someone from a more of a younger generation, if I can put it that way. So I had the opportunity to actually interview a guy called Brendan Amoroso, and uh, he's fantastic. He's in the US. Um, he's a young generation entrepreneur who's done very well in business. And what I did is I wanted to ask him a whole lot of questions around leadership is changing, of course. And, and one thing he kept talking about was how the younger generations are looking for autonomy. And I was like, okay, so when you say autonomy, what do you actually mean by that, Brandon? And uh, what was actually quite interesting is that he turned around and he said to me that autonomy without accountability is a recipe for disaster. And it sort of just clicked for me big time. And I thought, wow, that is so awesome. Because a lot of the younger generations are looking for that autonomy. They want that autonomy. But it's not just going to be autonomy because you see some of the other leaders who probably are the older generations are thinking, hey, I'm going to give you all this autonomy, but is the work going to be done? And that's what he's saying. It has to couple. It has to go partner with the accountability piece. It can't be just by itself. So it was a fascinating discussion with Brandon. So what I want you to do, listeners, is let's sit back and listen to the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Great to have you on another episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Brandon Amoroso. And uh, Brandon, a massive welcome to you. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Now, Brandon, whereabouts are you in the world are you today? I'm in Miami, Florida at the moment. All righty. Miami, Florida. And you've just had a massive storm go through. Uh, you and the family all good? Yes, fortunately. Well, not fortunately, because it went elsewhere still, um, but it did miss Miami. It, it went more on the west coast of Florida. So mm, It was huge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Now, for our listeners, what I'd love you to do is just share with us a little bit about you and your background a little bit more, please. Um, I've given a quick introduction to you, but um, very exciting to hear about what you did with Electric and, and also what you're doing today. So tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so uh, I guess the quickest, like, one-minute version of it would be I uh, – did a bunch of marketing gigs here and there, high school and college. And then about a year, year and a half before I was going to graduate, I started Electric. And then over the past, I'd say three and a half, four years, I've just been scaling that company, which is a Shopify Plus agency. So we were able to grow it to about 45 team members, primarily specializing in retention marketing. So email and SMS marketing, but also website design and development really focused on like achieving the highest certifications within the industry, like Clavio Elite, Tempted Pioneer Partner, and, and so on. And uh, that led to our acquisition earlier this year in April by a beverage technology company called Drinks.com. So the agency is still uh, running and we're still uh, working with all of our existing clients and, and bringing on some new ones in the alcohol industry. But a lot of my day-to-day -day is now focused on the beverage technology side of things and our app with Shopify, enabling wineries and retailers to be able to ship direct consumer uh, across the United States. 
Nice, very good. And Electric, of course, uh, was a leading or is a leading e-commerce agency, uh, marketing agency, and uh, sounds like a very exciting time. Now, what what made you think about wanting to start Electric? So at the time, it really was just me making some money so that I could go out and do things in, in school. And I knew long term that I wanted to start my own business. I was more so interested in entrepreneurship than I was necessarily marketing. It's not like I had this undying passion for starting a marketing agency. It was more about, I want to start my own business. What are some of the areas that I could potentially do that in? Um, And it's sort of aligned because starting your own marketing agency is very low cost, especially in the early days. It's just you and you're selling your services. So hit an inflection point around probably three months before graduation time where it was sort of like, is this something that can support me and the team or is it not? Because if it's not, then I need to accept real job offers that I had. And if it is, then we're just going to go for it here. So I sort of fell into it a, a little bit in that sense, but I knew I always wanted to do things entrepreneurial. And luckily, because of this, now I will be able to continue to pursue that. And mm. so, yeah, great, great. And one of the reasons I got you onto the show is that the fact that you're a Gen Z entrepreneur and love to hear from your perspective around from a, a Gen Z sort of, you know, age group generation, mm-hmm. love to hear from you about leadership and that as we go through today's questions as well in our dialogue. Now, before we get underway, sport. Do you follow any sport? All, all the major, say, U.S. sports, I, I'm a follower of. There's ones that I like more than others, Yeah, but um, I'm always checking Bleacher Report every day and uh, getting in my ESPN here and there. So I gravitate more towards basketball than anything because that's mm. what I played, but football, baseball, hockey, even started to get into UFC a lot more. I, I just enjoy Anything that has to do with competition and uh, anything like physical. Yeah, yeah, good. And basketball, which, who's your favorite team? I'm a little bit, a little bit like broken on that one because I moved to Miami. So now I'm going to go to the Heat games and I guess I'm supposed to be like a Heat fan. But I always, I grew up watching the Lakers, but I don't really like them being my favorite team because they're everybody's favorite team, it feels like. So I don't really know. I'm going to go with, I don't, I'd say I don't have one, but I definitely when like the playoffs are happening, I'll pick a team and then I'll root for them and, and go with them. But I'm more of a enjoy enjoyment of the sport and not necessarily like super devoted to one team. Nice. Well, we just got news yesterday here in New Zealand because Stephen Adams, I don't know if you know that player, but he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's massive. He's just been re-signed another contract with his team, uh, another $45 million contract. It's pretty awesome and exciting for him. Well, it might be $45 million New Zealand dollars, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's the only, there's some interesting fact about him. Like he's, he's not the only New Zealand professional basketball player, but from wherever he's from, he's the only one or something like that. There's, there's some interesting tidbit about him that I learned. Well, he comes from a sporting family, right? Um, his sister was Olympic champion, gold medalist and shot put, uh, which was really amazing, Valerie Adams. His other sister, and there's several kids, uh, and another sister in the Paralympics just won uh, a medal as well, the latest uh, Paralympics, and that's so pretty cool. All righty, let's get into the questions here a little bit more. So how did you get into leadership? I just sort of fell into it because entrepreneurship naturally leads you there. It's almost a prerequisite if you're going to be an entrepreneur that at some point you're going to need to have a leadership position and role, unless maybe you bring on a different CEO and, and they're going to operate as that and you focus more like internally on the product or something. But 
I mean, at some point you're going to be a leader of other people if you are in entrepreneurship. Yep. Now, were you, you said you fell into it that way, but were you in any other kind of leadership roles, you know, university, college, things like that? No. So I really, really did not like the organizations or the clubs, not because there was anything wrong with them necessarily. It just wasn't real. So that was always what uh, sort of tied me up about uh, some of these organizations is that you were in university and you were not in the real, uh, like in the real world actually doing it. And so I spent more of my time focusing on the business than I did necessarily trying to take on leadership roles in, in school organizations or, or things like that. So and did you do any, um, like, sort of to upscale yourself on the leadership side of things? Did you do reading? Did you do courses? Did you get a mentor or coach around you? How did, how did you help, like, help yourself around that space? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of mentors who helped me along the way and even made me realize to begin with that I had this desire in me to explore the entrepreneurship path and then started reading a bit as well sort of fell off reading, but actually have reinvigorated myself to start reading like a book a week now, which I've been doing for about a month and a half. And it's been really insightful. And I, I don't like to, I don't like to read anything that is, I like to have things to take away. So going through taking actual notes that I can then think about how can I implement this in my day-to-day life, or how can I test this out at work to see if it could potentially be beneficial to me or the company or my team members. So I think mentorship is really important and also just a, a desire to learn because I went through, I mean, everything I learned from actual tactical initiatives to more higher level like leadership stuff, a lot of it comes from just Google. I mean, if you have mm. a question, the answers are out there and uh, you, especially on the actual deliverable side of things with a marketing agency, you haven't done it until you've done it. And so there were a lot of things that were sold in the early days that I didn't, it's not like I had five years of experience, 10 years of experience doing that, but all the information was out there to be able to make me an expert in whatever it was that we were trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that we have those kind of things out there like Google and other things, YouTube, your videos, people yeah. sharing kind of information that we can go to and learn from. I just say to people, just be careful, making sure it's, it's quality uh, information that you're going to get, right? So, um, Otherwise, let, let your sources. Let your sources. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's some there's some really interesting people out there, and um, so yeah, just make sure you do vet the the source that you're getting the and the resources that you're getting from, and you know the information that you're getting as well. Now, here's a question for you, and this person can be alive or from history. Who was your favorite leader, and why? I think for me, so I try to think of business people or other people who might be known, but since I didn't have like direct contact or relationship with them, it's hard for me to sort of explain why they're my favorite leader because I wasn't there for it. So I'd say probably it would be my grandma because she's essentially like the, or was the leader of the family. Mm-hmm. And that I would say is actually more complicated than being the leader of a business, especially when you have a larger family with a diverse set of background, views, beliefs, just really everything. And she was the one that was the glue and able to put aside her own sort of opinions or thoughts for the betterment and, and making sure that there was unity amongst the, the family. So I would say her for sure. Yeah. And sounds like grandma's past. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So tell me if, if you were to have another chance to sit down with your grandma 
and have a cup of tea or a coffee uh, with her, would there be a question that you would love to ask her in relation to leadership? I think well, what would be most interesting to me is understanding wh- how she decided when and where to pick her, her battles because mm. there's definitely a lot of times that she suppressed her own like desire to take a side or do something to keep the overall cohesion and the, the family ship moving moving in a positive direction. So I think that would be where I would have my questions around. Yeah, good question. Very good question because, yeah, at sometimes as leaders we need to possibly bite our tongue a little bit longer or have a little bit more patience with some people with, with the situations, what's going on. And, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a very, very good question. I wonder what she would say. Be brilliant to, yes. to know, eh? Yeah. yeah. All right. Or the best would be just unfiltered. You don't have to deal with the repercussions of it. What, what's your opinion on a, on a situation without taking into account the fact that you're supposed to be uh, storting the ship here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Very good. Now, the, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. And when I mentioned that title or that statement, what does mm-hmm. it mean for Brendan? So I think part of it has to do with the different generation that's coming up as well, which we can touch on at, at some point. But sure. for me, historically, leadership has been about uh, giving direction and typically rather specific direction. And I think how that's changing is now it's really, at least that's what it is for me, is about empowering like, your team to bring their own ideas to the table to think about is there a different way that we should be doing this? And then as a, as a leader, you have to have sort of the, the humility to take that approach and understand that your main role is, is really just to empower and shepherd the rest of the organization in a way that is collaborative and not some top-down approach where you come up with ideas in a vacuum and then it's your idea and your success. Mm-hmm. Success looks like uh, everybody else being successful. Oh, I like that. I like that. And And tell me, from a Gen Z or other generations as well, we're having a lot more younger people coming through into the workforce, of course. And there are still, it's, it's really actually quite funny because we've got the older generation of the workforce still there. We've got the newer yeah. ones coming through and it's a little bit different for everyone. Any tips, any thoughts, anything else that you think from a leadership has changed perspective, what leaders should be thinking about if they're employing younger or other generations? I think. There's a tendency to think that younger people are lazy. It just seems like that is is the narrative sometimes. But I think people would be pleasantly surprised to see just how like entrepreneurial and self-starting this generation is. But they're also not the type that you can put into a little box and just have them do X, Y, and Z from nine to five because they think beyond that. Like that was part of the reason why I wanted to do my own thing and start my own companies because I didn't want to be narrowly defined into this scope and role and not have any say whatsoever, despite the fact that I thought I had really great ideas to bring to the table. So there needs to be that level of sort of ownership and autonomy that you give us. And you'll be surprised with what we'll do with that versus if you try and sort of push people into this is your set defined like tasks, don't go with, don't go outside of these tasks and not really get that buy-in from, from your team members. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm a Gen X and um, I'm the same. Don't put me in a nine to five. Don't put me into a box. I just want to go and do things. But, you know, 
I want to feel like that there is a team here, there is a purpose, there's a, an empowerment here. And I'm a different yeah. generation than a Gen Z or others as well, right? So I think sometimes it comes down to, yes, there's generations from an age perspective, but I think for a lot of us in our mindset and things like that, we might be, I might be a Gen X, but actually might have a mindset of more of a millennial or a Gen Z or something like that as well, right? So and then it's Gen Z that I've met who uh, have got a mindset of a Gen X, right? So it's just amazing yeah. how you see different people. It's but really, you know, it's just a label. It's just yeah. a label for a month. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. Yeah, it's just a label. However, we've got to be smart about it and, and understand people. And I think that's what you're saying here is that understand who the audience is in front of you or the team is in front of you, and how do you get the best out of them? Uh, I think is the is probably what you're you're coming along to to say here in the space. Yeah, and it's not going to be the same for everyone. Something I talk about a lot is the transition from being a strong like individual contributor to being a manager. And one of the ways that it became readily apparent to me is that not everybody wants to be a manager. Some people would rather be a strong individual contributor for their entire career because. Career progression looks differently for everyone and uh, everyone has their own sort of personal goals. Just like not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and start their own business, which thank God, because if everybody did, then there wouldn't be a world that exists because everybody would just be doing their own thing, trying to start something. But understanding that was really important for me because it led to open conversations with team members about like what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go. And then it's your responsibility as a leader to uh, help them achieve those things, both professionally, but also personally. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I like what you said before as well around your success is others' success. And I tell us a little bit more about that. Successful team members inherently create a successful business. And I'm sure there's cases where you can have a successful business, but maybe your team members' lives are in shambles and all they do is work and they're not really bought into the company. But that is not somewhere that people want to work nowadays. That's not how you're going to thrive and set your business up for long-term success. You might be able to hack your way into that uh, in a couple of years, but to really build a sustainable, thriving business, you need to have uh, sustained or thriving employees. So that was sort of what that comment came out of, Yeah, is okay. that if the rest of the team's successful, you're going to be successful as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's so important. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't want to be the manager, don't want to be the CEO, don't want to be the C-suite person or the team leader, right? They don't want to do that. Quite happy to be the technical person or they may not be a technology kind of person, but more of a expert around their domain and be that individual contributor and do that very well. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's what I want. I want people to be the best that they can be at what they do. And if I can empower them to do that, awesome. That's, that's yeah. really cool. Why? Because we're all going to see the best out of it and it's going to benefit everybody. And I think that's really important. Now, what we've talked about is, of course, around, we just touched on a little bit about technology. You and I are living in a world and it's getting, seems to be getting faster and faster all the time. Technology, data, business, even from a social perspective, it's getting faster. What, in your view, because you're seeing it, and actually you're having to help some organizations now as well around different areas from the Spotify perspective and helping them in their business and so forth. What are you seeing with leaders today in this fast change, or fast-paced, ever-changing world? What do you reckon is going to help them be successful going forward? I think the understanding that the, like the BS detector of team members has never been, has never been higher. 
as a, not only as a, as an employee, but as a consumer, just across all facets of life, people have so much information at their fingertips that they, they, they see through statements and that, that are just words. And so it really is about action. And what I think makes a successful leader in, in today's sort of fast changing world is the understanding that they can always be doing better. And that's something that I try to stress throughout our organization and, and with our team is that we can always be doing better. And that starts with me. And the only way that you can do better is to have a completely sort of open mindset to feedback ideas, no matter the source. And that is how I see the most successful leaders acting today. And you know what, Brandon, I mean, we, we talk about people can do better and we're not saying they're not doing well. They, they're doing very well. It's just how we can go to another level is what we're saying as well, right? And so exactly. if we can, yeah, if we can take them to another level, that'd be, that'd be great to be able to do that and see that because not only they are going to probably feel a lot better at it as well by achieving more, feeling like they're, they're growing. And then on the other side, the business will do well too. So it's a byproduct. So as you said, other success is going to be your success or the business success, um, which is, exactly. and I love what you just said there about the BS dictator. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> the radars, I call it, right? The BS radar out there that can detect yeah. things going on. You're right. People aren't stupid and they, they'll see through people who aren't authentic or really, you know, who are trying to pull the wall over their eyes. Uh, they can see right through it. So leaders, if you're listening, hey, of course you're listening. <laughs> yes, but I've been, just be careful. Make sure that you are being authentic and uh, you're being real and that the BS radar is not picking up things from you, which is important. Yes. Brandon, you and I have been talking about leadership and entrepreneurship and about business and so forth. Let's change lens, if I can put it that way. And you mentioned it just a little bit, just a little while ago, but about employees from their perspective. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think from... Uh, from when we were talking about before, you had up to about 45 team members that you grew your organization just in three years. What do you reckon employees are looking for? Or what are their expectations of leaders today? I think it probably varies based off of the, the person because what our team members were looking for and why our company was able to be successful is because they were looking for somebody to give them a lot of autonomy, a lot of ownership over their own work product and somebody who is much more sort of casual and not here's your, like, here's what your nine to five is going to look like, giving you very specific instructions. Um, that is not what everybody wants, though. Other people in a leader, they want very clearly, here's like your track record or here's your, here's your path to success versus me coming to you and saying, I'm expecting you to take ownership and have autonomy over these things. And what are you doing or bringing to the table that's going to help us succeed and become better? So I think that it really depends based on, on the person. And but part of being a leader is understanding that and not having a very rigid like, view of that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to be successful. So if you're giving people a lot of autonomy and it's not their nine to five, how are you tracking to make sure that they are achieving their tasks and getting things done? Yeah, so autonomy without accountability is a recipe for the disaster. Because if you give somebody a lot of uh, autonomy and then there's no accountability for their work or their results, then you're just going to end up with team members who do nothing but never have to answer for it because of the fact that you're not sitting there looking over them on a daily basis or on an hourly basis being like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? It's more about the end result and end product. So I think having very clear 
uh, expectations around what that end product looks like and what the result should look like. But my philosophy was, I don't really care how you get to that point. It's just that, that you get there. Um, and so there are a couple of team members over the course of my, whatever it's been now, three or four years, who we had to move on from because of the fact that they were not able to sort of take that responsibility and ownership over the, their work product. And so if we allowed them to keep just, I mean, there's only so many chances that you can give somebody within an environment before it comes down to that sort of accountability component. And if the other team members are seeing, oh, well, this person didn't have to answer for what transpired, then that will spread throughout the organization. So you want to be, you want to not be an asshole, which is another like great leadership tip is just don't be an asshole. Um, but you want to, uh, like, that was the biggest, the hardest part for me. It was understanding that sometimes you do have to put your foot down and say, no, like this wasn't acceptable. And that's like, we, we hold ourselves to a higher standard and that sets the tone for the rest of the organization as well. Yeah. I mean, don't be an asshole, but on the other side, don't be naive. Uh, I think you, you yes. this is what you're really saying is just, you have, to, you have to be a little bit mindful of what's going on. And I also like the, the bit about you saying autonomy without accountability is a recipe for disaster. And I think that's, that's really quite key here, listeners, is that, you know, what Brandon's sharing here is that a lot of people hear about, you know, the different generations and they want autonomy and things like that. But that's key. What he's just said there about it has, you have to actually have accountability with it as well, responsibility, ownership, and, and doing it and making sure, but also not being afraid to actually call people out if things aren't happening. Brandon, do you yeah. use any tools, you know, like technology tools and that to help track what's going on with the with the team, the deliverables and things like that? What, what, what have you used? So we would not if it wasn't for the fact that we're an agency with billable hours. And so as a, as a byproduct of that, we use a time tracking solution that the entire team tracks their their day to day on because it's really important for obvious reasons like being able to build the clients, but it's also important for us to understand our own efficiencies internally, be able to because so much of our time is spent like doing client calls or tracking to hours. It's not like some businesses where it might be not as specific. But then there's other components like being able to protect our team's time. So if we see clients encroaching on their time. Uh, because we're looking at the time tracking sheets on a weekly basis, then we can work to remedy that and either like raise the rates with the client or get that team member additional support in the way of a new hire or something like that. So it's not all about just making sure that you're you're getting your job done or that you're spending eight hours a day at the computer. It really is there to also protect the team because when you're managing at scale and we we only have 45 team members, but I can only imagine if you had like 200 there's no way that you can know each client on an individual basis, each team member, each department, where are they struggling, where are they not. That time tracking uh, solution that we have implemented allows that visibility across the entire organization so that we can uncover problems before they become uh, really big issues. I mean, 55 brands that you're working with, you know, with 45 team members, that's that's a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot to work on and, and get going. So you definitely do need to have something there. Which is short, which is important. Now, for communication tools, did you use a tool with the team in relation to communication? Yeah, so we use Monday.com for project management, and then we use Slack for all of our, well, really all of our internal communication. But then most of our client communication as well goes through shared Slack channels. 
And then obviously we'll, we'll email every now and, now and again, but Slack is primarily where most information is distributed. And then we'll, we'll, we'll meet on a recurring basis as well, because we are remote first to make sure that you're still getting that face to face, which is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important. But yeah, wonderful tool, Slack, to be able to do. Yes, I don't even know what I would do without it at this point. I created a, a family Slack because I couldn't deal with the group text message anymore. Like things were getting lost. Like we're trying to, even little things like trying to plan a trip. Slack is great for both personal and professional. Use. Yeah, I agree. I think it's wonderful. I, I use it to work with my uh, development, uh, no, my um, graphics team uh, who do mm-hmm. my graphics design and that. And uh, it's brilliant. I, I just love it. Alrighty, so we've been talking about leadership and what's happened in the past and so forth. Uh, let's talk about the future. If I can get you to get your crystal ball out and uh, start thinking about the future here, where do you see leadership being in five years? Hmm. Well, if I knew exactly where it was going to be in five years, I would be set. But I think we're going to continue to see this. There, I think historically change has happened more gradually. And like fluctuations weren't as extreme, but just across the board here in the last two years, three years, I think COVID accelerated it, but you were seeing it before then as well, just how much um, things change very quickly, whether it's the, the stock market, if it's the balance between employers and employees, because there's always this sort of power balance in any given economy or, or situation where Either the employees are more in power or the employer is. And since COVID, that pendulum has flipped like eight different times. So where leadership is going to be in five years is going to be navigating this constant change and that's happening all around us because things just happen instantaneously now, it feels like, versus happening gradually over time. And leaders are going to have to be able to adapt to working with people who prefer remote, people who prefer to be in office. And you're going to have to, especially if you've been a leader for a while, drop some of your preconceived notions around what leadership looks like. Because if you keep trying to, if you keep trying to stick to your true and try ways, you're probably going to be left behind. Yep. And that's the introduction to my podcast, which is, you know, what we're finding is that a lot of leaders and organizations aren't changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of being, becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And uh, it's exactly that. And, uh, We've seen many, many organizations and individuals and teams be left behind because of that. Uh, so it's important. So listeners, there you go. Make sure that you are staying relevant. Make sure that you are able to navigate through this constant change that we are, have experienced. And as Brandon says, we'll experience it more. It's just going to get faster and and uh, and happen rather than sort of gradually happen. It's going to happen a lot quicker. And so make sure we are able to do that. Brendan, I want to thank you for being on the show today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? So they could go to our website, which is electricmarketing.com. It's a Q instead of a C at the end of electric, or you can reach out to me at brandonamoroso.com or on our LinkedIn properties. And we'll, we'd love to chat about anything, me personally, about anything to do with entrepreneurship or business, but obviously have a lot of uh, e-commerce and marketing experience. And then if you are an e-commerce brand, then Electric would be the place for you to go. Awesome. We're going to put those in the show notes. Um, so once again, hey, thank you so much for being with me on today's episode. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All righty. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 